Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. I just want to welcome everybody to the Building Christian Fellowship's live broadcast. Out of all the places you could have been this morning virtually, you decided to be with us this morning, and we're overjoyed that you decided to spend your Sunday with us. Um, My name is Atira Johnson. I'm the Minister of Music here at the Building Christian Fellowship. And um, we just want to welcome you to the live broadcast. Um, Obviously, I'm not Pastor John. Our pastor is at home on his recovery journey, being what he is, and that's a sign, a miracle, and a wonder in the making. Hallelujah. He's making leaps and strides in his recovery journey, and we are so thankful to God for it. Um, We thank you, our family, and our friends and loved ones who have been praying without ceasing for him. We ask that you continue to send those prayers up for our leaders, our uh, fearless leaders, Pastor John and Pastor Kaya, as they continue to uh, hold on to the hand of God as they walk through this journey together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, um, this morning, I have the privilege and the honor to share the word with you this morning. There's some things that God has put on my heart, and I just, uh, I just wanted to share what it is, want to share his heart this morning. So um, we've been so blessed these past weeks to have the rich word of God preached. We had an eye exam with Pastor Donald a couple weeks ago. And then we had uh, Dr. John Harris come and share the word with us last week about being the answer to God, to Jesus's prayer. That was powerful. Hallelujah. And um, this morning, I'm going to share with you what God's put on my heart. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter one. And I'll be reading from the NLT version. If you don't have it, look on the screen. And it says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous, Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the left or to the right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Verse 9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your nearness, God. We thank you that your nearness is to us, our good. We thank you for your presence that's here with us wherever we are, God. Your presence knows no bounds, Lord. And Father, I thank you that as we open up your word this morning, Lord God, that our hearts are open, our, our ears are open, Lord God, our minds are open. We are ready to receive the engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls, Lord. Uh, Father, I just ask that you would help me to communicate your heart clearly this morning, Lord. Father, I thank you that it will be a revelation on time word for everyone that listens, Lord. We love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody agreed, said amen. Joshua 1 and 9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For all you note takers, today's message is called Courageous. And that is what the word, uh, the word that God put on my heart to share with his people in this season is to be courageous. When we're hearing nothing but discouragement all around, you know, um, there's two, I think, overly used words for 2020, and that's pandemic and unprecedented. <laughs> I feel like every time, I kind of cringe every time I hear the words unprecedented, but you know what? It's the truth. We've never lived in a time like this before, and it's easy to forget what we know, if that makes any sense. It's easy to forget what we know, certainly about the character of God, certainly about what he's called us to do in this season, and so he's calling us to be courageous. Amen? So let's define a few terms. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at the children of Israel, and I'll give you a little bit of background after we define these terms. So the first term I want to define is courageous. Courageous is defined as not deterred by danger or pain. Brave. Words that are synonymous with, uh, with courageous is brave, fearless, valiant, and valorous. The second term I want to define this morning is, called, is encourage. And to encourage is to give support, confidence, or hope to someone, to give support and advice to someone so that they will do or continue to do something, and to help or stimulate an activity, state, or view to develop. So what I'm here to do today is encourage you to be courageous. Amen? Um, we're going to look at the children of Israel, like I said, uh, if you want, while, if you, while I'm talking, you can change your Bibles to 13, verse 25. We'll be reading a big chunk of, of, of Scripture. And what it is, is I feel like it's very, it's very relevant today that we look at the children of Israel. For those of you who don't know, Israel is used as a type and a shadow of the church. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at two separate generations of Israelites. Uh, we're going to look at, we'll call the one Mosaic, and we'll call the other one the Joshua generation. And we're going to look at uh, and pull some principles that are very applicable to us today, especially in this season that we're in, um, where God has promised us things that we are, that we are, you know, unfortunately beginning to forfeit through the means of fear, through the means of discouragement. But God is wanting us to be courageous in this season. Amen? So Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 and it says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the, one, the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them 
the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites live in there, the Negev and the Hittites, the Jeshuites and the Amorites live in their, their hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had exp explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak, next to them, we were like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Chapter 14 says, Then the whole community began to weep aloud, and they cried all night. <laughs> Verse two says, their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or, ever, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to the country only to have us do, die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted amongst themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of, uh, we'll just call him Jay, <laughs> tore their clothing. <laughs> they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless, pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Amen, that was a lot of reading, but there was a lot to take in there. So just a brief synopsis of what we just read. God promised to Moses and the Israelites, the children of Israel, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. And he said, all that you need to do is possess the land. So they sent out the spies. They went and explored the land. They came back with the report. And out of the 12, 10 of them had an evil report, right? So these are, this is one of the main principles. There's things that we can extrapolate from this story that apply to us very much today. And I want to define another term before I go on with making these points. Uh, the point I wanted to define is discouraged. To discourage means cause someone to lose confidence or enthusiasm. To prevent or seek to prevent something by showing disapproval or creating difficulties. Persuade someone against an action. Wouldn't you say that all of those things is what was happening to the children of Israel at this time? Here it is, the land that God had promised them, and they're freaked out by all means that, like, we can't do this. We, we, can't, we can't handle this. And the thing is this, is that to discourage is what the enemy wants us to do. 
Why? Because we'll forfeit what's rightfully ours. Amen? So I, I made three points, uh, three, main, three main things that the, the children of Israel did that was a mistake when it came to not possessing the land. Number one is they gave ear to an evil report. Giving ear to the evil report. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30 through 32 says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Number 32, this is what I want you to pay attention to. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled though and through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Mm. <laughs> they spread the bad report throughout the land. It's amazing how it only took a few media outlets, I mean, a few people to, with a negative report to convince an entire nation that they were doomed. Does that sound strangely familiar? Does it sound relevant and timely? All it takes is a few to spread a bad report. You know, you know, bad reviews spread better than good reviews, right? That's been a proven fact. You know, you go to a good restaurant and you're like, oh yeah, okay, give them a review. But it's like, you'll see way more poor reviews than you do good ones for a place. That's the, it's the truth. It's just the fact of the matter. Bad news travels faster than good news, right? All it took. All it took was, was 10 people with a negative report to convince an entire nation they were doomed. Numbers chapter 14, verse 2 says, their voices rose in a great chorus of protest. Here's a point that I want you to write down to take with you. It says, when the evil report has infiltrated our hearts, we begin to sing the song of discouragement. When the evil report has infiltrated our hearts, we begin to sing the song of discouragement. And I don't know about you, but I've been hearing a lot of songs of discouragement around me. I mean, from the news to when you go to the grocery store and people are talking, uh, to relatives, everybody's singing about discouragement in their own way. When the evil report has infiltrated our hearts, we begin to sing the song of discouragement. My second point is this. The second mistake that the first generation, the Mosaic generation made, and why they were not allowed to enter into the promised land was murmuring and complaining. This is number two, murmuring and complaining. Numbers chapter 14, verses two through three says, and this is the children of Israel talking. It says, if only we had died in Egypt <laughs> or even here in the wilderness, they complained, keyword. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Mm. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? You know what? It's easy to romanticize Egypt when the promise hasn't yet to be fulfilled. It's easy to romanticize Egypt when the promise has yet to be fulfilled. It's kind of like a bad relationship, okay? And it doesn't necessarily have to be physically or emotionally or verbally abusive. It could just be something you knew you were never, ever supposed to be in, right? So the Lord speaks to you 
He gets a hold of your heart and he says, you know what? This isn't you and this isn't me, right? And he says, come away. I have something better for you. I promise you. I promise you. So you finally get up the nerve, you end the relationship, and you're in the space between. You find yourself in the space between between the promise given and the promise fulfilled, and it seems like it's a very long stretch, right? So then loneliness starts to set in, right? You know, I feel, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that's been there, but, but the thing is this is that it's easy to romanticize Egypt when the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet in that space between, in that wilderness. That wilderness journey was only supposed to take, what, 11 days, 12 days? They were there for 40 years. 40 years. You know why? Because they murmured and they complained. They murmured and they complained, y'all. And God let them die in the wilderness and not see the promise of God. Now, when we're in the space between, we're in the wilderness and we're waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, but the promise has already been given, It's, you know, I'm not even going to lie. It's, it's difficult. But the thing is that who, the one who promised is more than able to perform. And the thing is discouragement can cause the type of delusion that will have you longing for the bondage of your past. I'll say that again. Discouragement causes the type of delusion that will have you longing for the bondage of your past. Just like the bad relationship, once again, you're in that space between the promise given and the promise fulfilled. God has promised you, I have a wife for you. I have a husband for you who's after my heart, who's righteous and walks uprightly, who I'm pleased with, but you don't see it in front of you, right? So then the thoughts come, well, maybe I'll just text so-and-so. I just want to say hi and see how they're doing. And then, you know what I'm saying? And then it's it, it, just like that thread, that thread that pulls at that sweater. And pretty soon, before you know it, the sweater's unraveled. And here you are in your bondage and your chains again. Discouragement causes the type of delusion that'll have you longing for the bondage of your past. And that's exactly what the children of Israel did. Yeah. Well, did you bring us out here to die? You know, are we supposed to just perish out here? It'd been better for us to go back to Egypt. Murmuring and complaining is one of the mistakes the first generation of Israelites made, and that is why they did not inherit and enter into the promise of God. Number three, fear. There's a whole lot of fear going on right now, right? Numbers chapter 14, verse three in the NLT says, why is the Lord taking us to the country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder." Okay, so here it is. 12 men do a survey of the land. 10 men come back with an evil report. This report is spread, and a whole nation is afraid of things that they have not seen firsthand and things that have not even happened. Does it sound familiar? A whole nation received an evil report, and now they're afraid out of their minds about something that they haven't seen with their own eyes, necessarily, and that hasn't happened yet. That's what fear does. Fear introduces us to these two evil words with the wrong perspective. What if? What if? What if, what if, what if I can't, what if I'll never be able to find it? What if we're never able to see our family again? What if, what if, what if I catch it and I die? What's going to happen to my kids? And, and what if, what if this, what if that, what if that? And it's got you becoming low-key and agoraphobe where you're afraid to even leave your house and live your life. Fear will cause you to forfeit what is rightfully yours. 
Fear will cause you to forfeit what is rightfully yours. Your joy, your peace, your mental, your mental toughness, your, your courage, your fortitude, it'll cause you to forfeit what rightfully belongs to you. That's what fear does. So just recap the three points. The first one is listening to an evil report. The second mistake that the Israelites made was murmuring and complaining. And the third one is fear. They feared. They allowed fear to enter their hearts because of the evil report. And all three of these are connected. All three of these are connected. They received an evil report. They spread it throughout the land. They became fearful or they murmured and complained. And they were feared. They feared for their lives. And I believe that this is what God is saying to us. God wants us to be a part of the Joshua generation. In case you didn't know, because of these three mistakes that the first generation of Israelites made, they did not see the promise. Like I said, a 12-day journey turned into 40 years, and he waited for a generation to die off so that the next generation, let's try it again. Let's try it again. With Joshua leading at the helm, Moses had passed away, and he was a servant and a friend of God. Joshua came up under Moses' tutelage, and he, it was his turn. It was, time, it, was, it was show time. It was go time once again, right? So here it is. We're looking at the promised land for our lives, which is freedom. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. It's for a good future and expect it in, right? And it's easy to forget that with this pandemic and these unprecedented times. So I believe that there's some lessons that we can learn. There's some, there's some, some uh, wisdom nuggets that we can take from the Joshua generation so that we don't perish in this wilderness. Amen. God doesn't want us to perish. God came to give us life and life more abundantly. He doesn't want us perishing in the wilderness of a pandemic, in the wilderness of a bad report, in the wilderness of complaining and murmuring. He doesn't want us to, to perish in the wilderness of fear where we forfeit the promises he's given specifically for us, right? So here we're going to take three points from the Joshua generation. And the first one is they trusted the promises of God. They trusted the promises of God. Joshua 1, 3 through 5 in the NLT says, I promised you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is the land that God promised them long ago when they delivered them out of Egypt. Here's a point I want you to write down about this. They trusted the promises of God. When we align our hearts and our words with the word of God, both written and revealed, we take our rightful position of victory. When we align our hearts and our words with the word of God, we take our rightful position of victory. Amen? They trusted the promises of God. Number two is they obeyed and didn't become distracted. They obeyed and did not become distracted. Joshua chapter one, verse seven says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. 
then you will be successful in everything you do. Here's my question to you. You know what? With everything that's going on right now, what has God called you to do? What has God called you to accomplish in this season? You know, none of us was counting on 2020 being the way it was. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? None of us was counting on 2020 being the roller coaster ride that it was, but there's still a charge to keep. What has God charged you with accomplishing in this season? It's easy to forget and get swept away with all the, 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 the chaos and the confusion that's going around, all the fear mongering and the what ifs. And, and you, know, you know, it's easy to get swept away even in the current of complaining. But what is it that God has called you to accomplish? What is the territory he has charged you with conquering in this season? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 in the Amplify says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Whew, that's good stuff right there. Second Peter, verse 1 and 2 in the NLT says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by becoming, coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. What has God called you to do? What has he called you to, to conquer in this season of your life? And here's the point that I want you to remember even more so is adversity and opposition won't change what he said. What is it that you're supposed to be doing? You know what? It said, stay focused. Don't get distracted. The thing is, this is God usually, you know, usually a lot of times during the, the, front, the front part of the year, we, we come together, we fast, we pray for direction so we can receive our marching orders for the year, right? Not knowing what this year is going to hold. 2020 is a prime example of that, right? So when we came together, we came out of January fired up, fueled up, ready to go, all engines burning, or, you know, you, we, we came out here ready in these streets, right? <laughs> Then the pandemic hit. California gets shut, all the nation gets shut down. And what a perfect distraction, right? What a perfect deviation. But I tell you this, the word of the Lord, the, the grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. What he's asked you to do, what he's charged you to conquer is not going to change just because of adversity and opposition. Come on, not when he's given us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. Come on now. He's promised that if we fix our eyes on him, we will make it to the end. He stands at the end and he's calling us from where we are to come on, come on, come on. Don't get distracted. Fix your focus on me. Here, listen to my voice. Follow my voice. You can do it. Come on, my daughter. Come on, my son. You got this. I don't care what's going on. People may fall at your left and at your right-hand side, but I'm the one that's going to sustain you. I'm the one that's going to continue to give you strength. Amen? Amen. Come on. Number three, this is the big one right here, and I feel like this is the one that we really need to tap into this morning. They remembered the faithfulness of God. They remembered the faithfulness of God of God. Mm. In the midst of discouragement, in the midst of what them, them knowing what they were going up against, by whether they heard it or whether the few of them that had seen it, they remembered the faithfulness of God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 
It says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. This is the Lord talking. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. Something I thought that was so interesting. Here it is. You have the Mosaic generation. You got the Joshua generation of Israelites, right? Now, we talked about the mistakes of the first generation. Now, mind you, this is the generation that was delivered firsthand by the hand of God from Egypt. They saw the plagues. They crossed over on dry land. However, they didn't inherit the promise. They didn't inherit the promised land. How was it that one generation who had seen firsthand did not enter the promised land by faith, but one who heard about what happened did. You know what that is right there? It's the power of your testimony. It's the power of your testimony. And it was common in, uh, in, in, in with the ch- children of Israel, it was common for them to pass down from generation to generation, from generation to generation, what God had done. God had commanded them long ago, build a memorial. Build a memorial. It wasn't like God was going to forget. He knew they were going to forget what he did for them, right? So here it is, one generation who actually saw it was in the thick of it. They were the ones whose backs were getting lashes. They were the one who witnessed the plague of the firstborn and, and, and left out of their untaged with all of their children. They're the ones that showed up at the Red Sea, panicked, oh no, Jesus was like, God was like, I got you. Go ahead and raise that staff. Part of the seas, they crossed on dry land. Not only that, they're in the wilderness no food, no sustenance. Here it is, God sustains them literally out of nowhere. Bread falling from the sky. A whole generation who saw this happen firsthand did not enter the promised land. But they passed along what had happened in Egypt to the Joshua generation. And they heard, and their faith was increased. And they believed the promises of God. And they weren't going to be distracted by why the other generation didn't make it because they was going to step up to the plate in the confidence and boldness of their God because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had done it before and he'll do it again with us. They remembered the faithfulness of God. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. I love this scripture. In the NK, in New King James Version, it says, And they overcame him, who? The enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The word of your testimony. When we testify, we recall the goodness and faithfulness of God. Our testimony is not just for us in the here and now, but to encourage and build the faith of generations to come. Listen, do not allow discouragement to silence you from telling your testimony. Don't let it silence you from telling your testimony to other people. Certainly not don't allow it to to silence you from telling your testimony to yourself. To yourself. This is one of those, those, those seasons where you need to do like David did and encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Havla Cunnington has a quote, and she says, replace what you don't know about the future with what you do know about the Lord. Replace what you don't know about the future with what you do know about the Lord. Let me tell you something. I was in the hospital last month with COVID, and I, you guys know how that went. 
No one was allowed to come in. No one was, I wasn't even allowed to so much as open my hospital door alone. You know, the enemy likes to get us alone, right? But as I begin to break up my thoughts with my words, come on now, because it's easy to sink. It's easy to sink when you're not speaking truth and reminding yourself of the truth of God's faithfulness and his goodness and how he's brought you out before. It's easy to sink in the deep hole of depression, of discouragement, of the what ifs, and and to to pull at that thread that'll unravel you in the end. I began to rehearse God's goodness in that hospital room. Weak, sick, alone. And let me tell you something, as I begin to thank him for everything that he brought me through, I begin to thank him for even now keeping me. Yes, it's not the ideal situation or circumstances, but here I am, Lord, being able to give you praise, being able to offer up a, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, which is the fruit of my lips. I will not be silent. I will not be silent. Have you ever been in that moment where you're just so discouraged and there's something within you, you just have a little grain of strength that tells you, you know what, just thank me, just thank me, thank me. It's happened to me several times. And let me tell you something. If the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, you want to be where Jesus is? Start to thank him. Start to thank him for what you have. Start to thank him that he kept you, that he kept you, that he kept you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. His goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. I may stumble, but I'll not fall because he holds me by the hand. Rehearse his goodness. Rehearse his faithfulness. Mm, mm, mm. I encourage you in this season, you know, we've had a lot of tragedies go on, especially within this last week with the fires going on. Um, people have lost loved ones this year due to sickness and other things, whatever it is, but there's been a loss and devastation all around. And I'm not trying to make light of any trials and tragedies that may be present either in this room or on this broadcast. But what I am encouraging you to do is to build a memorial. Build a memorial. It's easy to inventory what you don't have. Do what's counterintuitive and inventory God's goodness of what you do have still. It's hard at first, but let me tell you, once you get going, it just begins to pour out of you. It begins to pour out of you. And before, when you felt like, oh, this is not making it, oh, thank you for my shoes and thank you for my shirt. And then it's once you start really thinking about it, Lord, thank you. Somebody didn't wake up this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody lost everything that they had. Thank you, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm still here. I still have my belongings, Lord, but they don't make me. You make me. And you, it just in praise and thanksgiving and adoration begins to flow up out of you. Build a memorial. If you're discouraged right now, right now where you are in your home, I encourage you to build a memorial. They have memorial stones back in the Old Testament, but you do what you're going to remember, what's going what's to mean something to you, whether it means you open a journal and you start chronicling the goodness of God. Whether, or, or if there's something, if you're artistic, you draw a picture that reminds you of this season and how God brought you through and how, you know what, the fire may have gone on each side of me, but God spared me and my home and my loved ones. Build a memorial. Build a memorial. They didn't forget the goodness of God. They didn't forget his faithfulness even to a thousand generations back. They didn't forget his, 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 his generosity towards them. God told the children of Israel to build memorials 
after the wonders he performed in Egypt, from the plagues to parting the sea to sustaining them in the wilderness and beyond. Building memorials was an ordinance God set forth for the children of Israel so they wouldn't forget God's character, his faithfulness, and his unfailing love to them. Build a memorial. Build yourself a memorial about how good God is to you. Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41 in the New King James Version, I'll read it real quick. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats went also with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. <laughs> and they woke him up and said unto him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who is this? Who can this be that even the wind and the wave obey him? You know, I went on a cruise in 2017 for the first time. And I remember being on the ship and it was one of the days that we were out to sea. And I remember being able to feel the power and the force of the ocean, even in a vessel as, I mean, nothing was wrong. Everything was functioning mechanically correctly but it was still like, it wouldn't be nothing for this ocean to flip this thing and capsize it, right? So when, he, when, when I see that the disciples were yelling out, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? I can feel and almost sense the terror that's in their hearts. Like, we're, we're going down like, in, your, in your sleep, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but at the same time, that's what you guys, that's what a lot of us, that's what I, in my heart at times, have been saying filled with panic, fear uncontrolled. Master, don't you care that I'm perishing? Don't you care that I'm perishing in my grief? Don't you care that I'm perishing in everything that I've lost? Don't you care that I'm perishing in my illness? Don't you care? Don't you care? It's funny how when hard times hit and when the storms come in our life, one of the first things to fly out the window of our memory is the character of God. You're talking disciples. I mean, you don't get a discipleship program better than what they had, right? And it's funny. There was another thing. And I've heard this story like a lot of times. And it says, Jesus changed the situation, but it was his disciples that needed to be transformed. Jesus went and calmed the sea, but it was the faith of his disciples that needed to be transformed all the miracles, signs, and wonders that they saw Jesus perform, all the one-on-one -on -one intense, deep conversations that they had with the King of glory. Here it is. They're crying out for their lives. Don't you care? Don't you care? They forgot who was with them. This is why we testify to others and ourselves. This is why we recall his goodness and faithfulness. This is why we rehearse his unfailing love toward us. So we can carry these into our future to gird us up in the face of every obstacle with victory 
in our hearts. As I bring this to a close, there's a question I want to ask all of you. And it's this is, where's your heart? How's your heart doing in this season? You know, this message today was called Courageous, and our key verse was Joshua 1 and 9, the command for us to be courageous in the midst of whatever it is that we're facing. But here's the thing, and I think this, if you don't take anything else home with you, take this, is that God's not a dictator. God's not a dictator. He's a father. He's a loving father. And though he gives us a command, he cares very much about what's going on with you. So I ask you again, where's your heart? Is it full of doubt? Have the waves of fear and anxiety begun to capsize your vessel? I assure you, I assure you, God cares. And he knows exactly what's going on with you in this season. If it's a loss that you suffered, of a loved one, of material things, of your home. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost your livelihood, your means of what you provided for yourself and your family. But let me tell you something. Your job was just a resource. God is your source. God is your source. And though he can change your situation, he's more interested with changing you. Where's your heart this morning? Psalms 23 says that he restores our soul. 2020 has been most certainly a soul-shattering year for some of us. But yet and still, the command still remains, be courageous. But like I said, he's a loving father, not a dictator, and he cares very much so what's going on with you. Where's your heart at? What do you think of me? What do you say? Who do you say I am? And this morning, as we bring this to a close, I want to pray for every heart, for every soul that has been shattered by this year, for every heart that doesn't understand and perceive what God is doing. And you're holding on. You're holding on with everything that you have to the last thread of hope that you feel like you've got. You're almost done and the tank is almost dry and you're, you're fighting to hold on to hope with everything that you've got in you because this year has just devastated you. He's promised to rebuild our souls so we can stand, so we can face the next, the next conquest that he's called us to. Why? So his glory may be seen through you and his, his character may be revealed to you. If that's you, I want you where you are. I don't care if you're, you are eating a bowl of cereal or you know what, step away from the stove, turn the eye off. Have a seat on your couch for a second and let the Lord minister to you this morning. Let him heal your heart right now. Let him heal your heart right now. Be healed so you can minister. Be healed so you can conquer this year. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Your days are in my hands, says the Lord. Fear not, for I am with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. So I will not abandon you. I will not fail you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I lift up every heart, every, every, every soul that's been shattered, Lord God, by the happenings and the events and the occurrences of this year, Lord. Father, I thank you that you promised that you would rebuild, 
restore, reset our souls, Lord God. And I thank you that you're a man that you cannot lie, nor the son of man that you should repent, Lord. And you do exactly what you promised, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would reach down and massage the heart and soul of every child of yours, Lord God, that is in pain right now, that doesn't understand, Lord God. Father God, that you will continue to reveal yourself. You never tire of revealing yourself to us. You never get tired of assuring us of your love. You never get tired of assuring us that you are for us and not against us, Lord. And Father, I pray that that truth would be so real. They'll be so real to your people today, Lord God. Heal our hearts, Lord. Heal our hearts, Lord God, so we can stand up and recover. So we can, so we can walk in your resurrection power, Lord God so that we can move on to the next conquest, Lord God, with a sure word, Lord God, and a sturdiness of heart. God, I pray that these hearts that are shattered right now would be steadfast once again, Lord God, would be stout-hearted once again, Lord God, that will be unrelenting once again, believing every word that comes out of your mouth, Lord. Father, I pray for those that have lost loved ones, Lord. You said that you're the God of peace, Lord God, and that you comfort the brokenhearted, Lord. I pray that you would comfort them in a tangible way, Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have not failed and you're not about to fail us now, Lord. I thank you, God. You're faithful to heal. You're faithful to restore. You're faithful to deliver, Lord God. And we walk in that truth, Lord God. We can take every promise you've given us to the bank, Lord. And we stand on them this morning, Lord. We thank you for healing every heart, every shattered soul, Lord God. Be made new in the name of Jesus. Healed in the name of Jesus. Restored. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. In the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and give God praise today. Hallelujah. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.